This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'm going to do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense going to turn up, but the defense going to win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. Welcome in. It's Hump Day on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. It is Auburn Week. I'm your host, Corey Burton. We are on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Joining me is Israel Troop. Israel, what's up, man? What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. Just uh, just another week and just another day, and uh, here we go. Excited to welcome in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. It's going to be weird playing this game in in uh, not in November but in September so um, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say that you could follow the show at believe in dogs on Twitter Facebook and Instagram uh, you can follow Israel where can we follow you uh, on Twitter uh, troopstar 28 um, on Twitter um, you know it's where I do all my all my ranting and raving and uh, recruiting for my guys and a whole lot of funny stuff too so you can follow me on Twitter at Troopstar two eight, absolutely. And uh, if you don't follow Israel, it's 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 a treat. Uh, some of his tweets and uh, it's it's fun to read. So and it's fun to get in the commentary. But uh, our show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Israel, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. The spreads were crazy, but a lot of them hit uh, last week. What uh, what 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 spread surprised you the most that that hit? Oh man, the the one that I was I enjoyed seeing was the Texas A and M bandy spread, and I was like, I knew, I knew that what that spread wasn't going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their true freshman quarterback was was lighting it up. He was he was throwing dimes. He was taking command of the of the huddle. He was chewing guys out on the sideline. So it it was refreshing to see. It's great to see, especially in that situation. You're going well. It's not hostile because no fans there, but at the same time, going into a game with a great Texas A&M team who's normally known for their defense and to do what he did is very impressive as a freshman. Well, absolutely. And uh, that, that's, that surprised me more uh, than, than Vandy. I, I knew Vandy was going to be a scrappy team with, with two good coordinators, but I, I was kind of shocked to see that Kellamon didn't light, light things up because he's supposed to be the most veteran and top quarterback in this conference. But that title right now is going to belong to Kyle Trask. He was uh, he lit it up, and uh, Florida covered by by three points against uh, against Ole Miss. We'll talk about that later. Um, 
Are you buying the 11.5-point spread uh, that Tennessee is favored by over Missouri this week? Uh, I think I am. I think I am. After watching them last week, um, watching Bo Nix do what he did last week um, against a pretty good Kentucky uh, defense, um, I think it's going to be good. That Williams kid is good. I, I like I like the way he uh, he does. No, I'm talking, I'm talking about Tennessee. My bad. I was thinking yeah. Auburn already. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll Tennessee get to, looked we'll good get against South Carolina. Yeah. yeah, I was I was already ahead. But, yeah, uh, Tennessee looked good against South Carolina um, offensively. Um, defense is a little shaky, but I think they bounced back good against uh, Missouri um, mm-hmm. after watching what Alabama did to them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm buying that too as well. We'll we'll make that official on Friday when we when we officially make our picks with uh, Jason Crane of the Joe Boy Show on the Believe Network is joining us. But from game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always the online casino as well. So head to BetOnline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So, uh, Saturday, uh, you and I are texting back and forth. I I saw probably what was the most horrendous offensive first half uh, that I've ever seen uh, in in a Georgia team. Thirteen penalties, a turnover, and couldn't sniff a yard for for pretty much the entire second quarter. Uh, no run game in sight. Dewan Mathis was rattled. Uh, what were your reactions in, in the first half? What were you thinking? Man, when we first came out and I saw Mathis um, take a scramble, I was like, okay. Although although we punted, I said, okay, this, this looks like it, it'll be a good drive right here. You know, he missed a couple throws, which is expected his first game. Mm-hmm. But then after that, it, I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? Um, I think I, I tweeted, I said, I know Corona has, you know, kind of derailed everything, but I was like, we look like we just practiced this week. Uh, we were missing um, a lineman assignment up front, and um, it looked like they didn't know what was going on, and I was, I was concerned. Um, and then on uh, a scramble, it was third, I think, 16, and uh, Mathis goes out and scrambles, and he misses the, the first down by a yard, you know, and there was nobody in front of him. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, it just seemed like he was discombobulated. The penalties got him behind the chains a lot. And I think, you know, a lot of people are going to say play calling, play calling, play calling. But honestly, you know, you're an OC. I'm an OC. I don't have a whole lot of options on third and forever or second and forever. I I don't know about you, but I certainly don't. And so I I, I don't think the situation helped the play calling more than, you know, he was just calling bad plays. But DeWan just couldn't get out of his own way. Uh, the run game, not being able to move anybody in the first half, didn't help either. Most definitely, and we have a we have a great offensive line coach and coach Luke. And mm-hmm. I'm watching them play. I'm watching them on zone, and we're blocking back on zone. And I was just like, what what what's going on? You know, and like I said, and as I was watching, you know, uh, I was a fan at first, and I was upset for a second, and then the coach of me came along about right after that, and I said, wait a minute, okay, first game. You know, we had new people in new spots. And I didn't realize that Hill was playing guard until the second half. And I was like, wait a second, he's the center. So yeah. Why are they moving the guard? You know, and that and that takes away your whole dynamic when you take a lineman. As you know, when you move a lineman from center to guard or from, from a guard to tackle, you know, that, that, that's a mental thing with them because they're used to doing one thing now. They should play multiple positions up front just in case you have to shuffle. But your assignment – from center to guard to tackle all changes um, when you move. And it just looked like we were just we – we're, we're in a daze at, at, in the first half. 
Yeah, I mean, I think moving a guard um, over any position is the toughest transition, whether you're coming down from tackle or moving over from center, because I think guards are asked to do a lot more um, in the in the run game as far as pulling and different assignments that that you wouldn't normally do as a center or that you might not do as a tackle. So uh, that was a that was a hell of a transition. Um, but I was thinking throughout this whole thing. Thank God for our defense. Thank God that our defense is the the best in the country because uh, other than about three plays, Arkansas really couldn't do much. And yeah. the only the only way they got to ten points was because our offense helped them out early in the second half uh, with, with the turnover, and then uh, defensively in the first half in the first quarter. Uh, they they took advantage of a penalty and then then hit one uh, over Richard LeCount uh, on play action and that was really the only action they got in uh, that was really the only thing they were able to do um, on the offensive end and and I think you and I hit the nail on the head as far as uh, keys to success hit Felipe Franks early and often and he will cough up the ball and he did just that most definitely Felipe doing Felipe things I remember him from him when he was at Florida you know we hit him hit him hit him. All of a sudden, here's a turnover, you know, and that and that's what it takes when you got a quarterback, especially one that you know that you played against already. You know his weaknesses. If you hit him, he's gonna make a mistake. And he eventually did. Um, what's funny is I had a buddy of mine that played at Arkansas, so he texted me. He was like, "George, don't look too good." I said, "Well, y'all can't cross the fifty without a penalty." So me and him were going back and forth, um, and it, it was funny. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that I guess that's the the biggest burns. Like, uh, I mean, I would rather kind of struggle because I knew that we would come out of it eventually, rather than not being able to cross the fifty um, and trying and, and playing perfectly almost, uh, and they still couldn't do it. Um, but you know, the stats speak for themselves defensively, um, and all I got to say is thank God for that. Um, offensively, we finally got it going. Um, we reaffirmed one thing that we already knew: George Pickens is a dude. What do you think about his performance? Man, it is it is it's nice to watch him play. He's a baller. He is a baller. Um, you know, a lot of guys people are gonna try to take him away and I think Arkansas did at the beginning of the game, but as you can see, he finds ways to get open. Um, I think if we stretch the field um, a little bit more this week against Auburn, I think it's you're gonna get the same thing. You know, we, we established the fact that we have receivers that can make plays. You know, watching all those guys uh, make plays for uh, Stetson Bennett when he got in there was, was great. Um, and seeing the confidence that they have, and I think now, you, now that we've done that, you take a little bit, you take a little bit further. You know, try to see exactly what they can do and how much they can handle, and then you, and after that, you just keep adding and keep rolling as the season goes on. Right, and one of the things that really stood out to me, uh, going back to George Pickens, was I think it was that first series when we got our first first down. Um, mm-hmm. Mathis threw a, a, it was like a hitch route or a curl route might have been like a, a, a deeper hitch to uh, to the first down marker beyond the first down marker he he threw one in there it was tight coverage it was a extremely contested catch and what stood out to me was that George Pickens caught the ball way out in front of him with his hands and the just the sheer strength of his hands being able to grip that ball he never pulled it to his body because he knew if he did that DB was going to to, to punch it out so he he just held the ball. Um, the whole way down uh, and completed the catch. And that to me, and I hope a lot of high school receivers were watching that play and watching how he used his hands because that was about as textbook as it gets. Most definitely. When I remember being at Georgia and watching um, AJ and Muhammad Massaqua and Tavares, like all those guys, we would stand in between uh, the goalposts. And uh, I remember Coach Ball and Coach Easton would make us catch balls out in front, you know, and using our hands. And 
that's important. You know, you know, once you go up and grab a ball and you try to catch it and bring it back down, that DB is going to try to punch and get it out. And having the awareness to keep that ball away from and, you know, make a good play like that is, is, is great. You know, that's that's hard to teach somebody. You know, that's something you got to have. That's that little savvy that everybody talks about that you got to have. Yeah, and it's it's positioning your body perfectly. Um, it's being aware enough that that DB is going to get his hands around you and, and you can't bring it in. So, again, that's just textbooked. And, you know, I, I don't know if they're doing those drills uh, that y'all did uh, with the goalpost, but it certainly feels like they are. But um, so talk to me about, you know, think about one of your really bad first halves or just as, as a team, uh, one of the really bad first halves. And, and what is the mindset coming into the locker room? And then uh, how do you how do you recharge and regroup? Uh, mostly it's just keeping everybody calm, you know. Um, a lot of times, as well as you know, you don't expect to have a bad first half. Mm-hmm. You know, you you sit there, you're, you're you're just calling plays, and you're looking, and you're like, what is going on? You know, and you, you're talking to your coaches, and you're trying to figure out, guys, what, what are we doing? Like, are they doing anything different than we see? Like, what is going on? You know, so basically just being calm at halftime. Um, luckily, the game was still in reach. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a blowout or anything. So, you know, you just go in and readjust. All right, what are they doing? Let's calm our guys down. Let's see what's going on. And, um, you know, if you need to make any adjustments, you, you make them at halftime, you know, reaffirm, hey, guys, let's let's keep pedaling. Let's keep going. We'll, we'll be fine. And then all of a sudden it clicks, and just like it did Saturday, it's like, boom, here we go. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's absolutely, uh, you know, the right thing to do. I think, um, you know, I've been in that situation several times uh, in, in my current spot. And just remaining calm and, and really – Honestly, I, I don't really address the fact that we played poorly. I kind of focus on what adjustments do we need to make uh, so that we um, can turn this thing around and, and get back in this ball game. And you know, it's worked sometimes, and sometimes just it's just going to be a bad night, and, and there's not really <laughs> yeah, much so, you can do about it. Sometimes you know, you you go in a halftime, like you make your adjustments, and the same thing just you know, sometimes just one of those nights, you know. And unfortunately, I've had two of those nights. You know, we got the whole sideline and stuff now we're looking at it's just missed assignments across the board mm-hmm. you know one guy coming through here and stuff like that and one time i want to throw my ipad up against the wall because i see everything that's going on you're like what is why, why can't we do this you know so you know some days it's just your night and there's nothing you can do about it but you know you try to you try to stay positive especially for your players um especially in a situation like that where you just know all right we're just not executing guys like if we just go out here and do what we're coached to do, we're we're, we're going to be fine. And um, I think that's what Coach Smart does well. You know, he'll—I don't know what he says. I'm pretty sure it wasn't anything nice at halftime. But when you, you see, come out, you, when they came out, you can see a whole different mentality. He he remained fairly calm through that first half, which yeah, that was surprising. Which shows a lot by him. Yeah, because usually he's about ready to blow a gasket. But I I think he—I mean, obviously he knows that. Sometimes the guys just need that and just need that calm and just, hey, we just got to calm down because we'll be fine. Um, and he was – it just seemed like he was like, okay, we'll work through these problems because my defense is not going to let him pass the 50-yard line. And uh, exactly. so we're, we're, we're all good. Um, but one of the things that we were curious about coming into the season, um, you know, you and I were probably more curious about it than anything because, you know, we're coaches and we think about this, but a lot of common fans don't really realize that this is an important part of the game. But let's take a look at special teams. Scott Cochran comes in from Alabama. Hasn't, hasn't really been an on-field coach, especially at this level. He's been a strength guy uh, for, for the vast majority of his career. He comes in, and special teams, I felt, had a really good day, got really great return yardage, uh, blocked a punt, and I think it was two for two on field goals. So um, 
what are your thoughts on the special teams? How, how do you think they? How do you think they did? I'm telling when special teams and defense can generate some points, you're going to win a football game. Um, because special teams is important, just as important as offense and defense. Um, if you give up a touchdown or or um, they block a punt on you, then your chance of winning the game absolutely go down. And vice versa, if you block a punt or you get a great great return, you know your chance of winning go up. So um, I think he's done a great job. You can tell he's learned. You can tell he's learned a lot. You know, he's out there just like he was a strength coach. He's hollering and screaming and getting people in the right place. And I loved every man of his energy on the sideline is amazing. Um, just watching him move and work around. And guess we didn't have um, any substitution issues on special teams. Everybody knew where they were supposed to be. And, and no that's coverage issues. Him. Exactly. That's kudos to him because, you know, it's his first year doing it and his first game. You know, and, and I'm sure, you know, coaches always had a first game jitters too, but he mm-hmm. looked like a professional. And those guys came out there and they played hard. And um, we reaped the benefits of it. Yeah, and I was I was uh, I was impressed with Jake Camarda, uh, especially uh, punting the ball. There was a there was one time where he he pinned him inside the five. Uh, they called a uh, procedure penalty, and we repunted it. And you know Pittman thinking they're going to get a touchback or they're going to gain some some major yardage, and and he puts it right back down. I think they gained a yard after that penalty. He he pinned him on the five the first punt, pinned him on the six on the second punt, almost put it in the exact same spot. Yes, watching watching him punt was was great. You know, he he flipped the field, he flipped the field for us. And when your offense is struggling, you know, even when even if you have to punt, if you can just get it to where your punter has um, the advantage of kicking the ball and pinning them deep, you know, is great. So I think he did a he did a wonderful job pinning them deep and actually making them having to go the whole distance instead of getting good field position and a short field. Mm-hmm. And the one time they got a short field, they were able to get points out of it. But uh, that was the only time they had favorable field position was when uh, the offense coughed up the ball. But, uh, you know, putting a bow on this game, 37-10, to 10, uh, I think we were pretty spot on with the score prediction. So I'm um, looking forward to uh, to welcoming um, and making our home debut against the Auburn Tigers. And we'll, we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. Uh, but was there... Was there any games that stood out to you um, the rest of the weekend that you know you were excited to watch? That something happened that you didn't expect? I mean, I I'm pretty sure that the, the game that was happening concurrently uh, with uh, with our game, Mississippi State putting up 623 yards on the defending national champions. Um, I've been following the Pirate for a long time. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me much, but um, still impressive nonetheless. Man, watching watching the them too. throw the ball 60 something times is impressive. Um, and uh, Mike Leach is probably one of the funniest human beings I've ever been around and I've seen in a long time. So um, watching them do that to LSU was eye-opening for sure. Um, but, you know, just watching him go out there, he, he, he has the same facial expression the whole time. He doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. And then just watching the guys execute was amazing to watch. The game that really surprised me um, was the South Carolina-Tennessee game because if I feel like if they don't, get that botched punt and that the punt doesn't hit the um, the guy, the uh, gunner down there. I think South Carolina goes down, they score, and they win the football game. Mm-hmm. They and do. that goes back to special teams. Like you said, special team execute. One play, can you lose your game on special teams, and that one play lost South Carolina the game on special teams. Yeah, I thought they did really good with, with limited talent. I mean, I, I think that if, if they had just one or two more guys uh, – 
I think they would have won. I think they would have won that game. And uh, I, I think that punt would have been irrelevant, or I, I don't think that punt happens if they have more than just Shy Smith to be able to get the ball to. And, you know, I thought the play calling was great with South Carolina. I thought they played hard at home. I I thought they lost a, lost a, a tough luck game there. And, you know, you hate to see it. But then again, that's just the culture of South Carolina. That's just what they do. Yes, like I said, our team doctor is a graduate of South Carolina. He was at the game, and I said, Doc, y'all, y'all just can't get over the hump. I say, you just, just can't get over the hump. And they seem to always find a way to lose to Tennessee. It's really sad, honestly. I know, um, I know. But uh, I'm not looking forward to getting that South Carolina team later on because they'll have some things figured out by the time we get to them in November. So uh, not looking forward to that. I mean, hopefully we have a few things figured out as well. Um, but, yeah, the, I thought the old Miss game stood out to me some uh, a little bit. Uh, it was a, it was an 11 a.m. kickoff. I thought, um, I thought Lane Kiffin's team played really hard. Uh, you could tell they're extremely limited on defense. And you can tell that they, you know, they took advantage of their weapons. I thought they got really creative with how they handled the two quarterbacks. Because John Reese Plumley is a, uh, he's an athlete, and mm-hmm. he had no problem lining up at wide receiver. He played that. I think they've been watching few, uh, a few too many Saints games and, and trying to use him like <laughs> Taysom Hill. But you know he's an athlete. He's a baseball player. He is a baseball player, a good athlete, good arm, and a really good just football player. And so I, I was impressed with how they used him. I was impressed with how creative they got with that. And then of course Elijah Moore is a ball player. Jaron Ely is a ball player. So um, a really good game. Thought they had floored on the ropes for a little while. And then Kyle Trask was, uh, he did what everybody expected him to do and just lit it up. Oh yeah. I was, I was more so concerned with both defenses. I was like, what, what, what's going on Florida? Um, You know, um, but you know, at the same time, Lane Kiffin is a great play caller. Um, He, like you said, he used both quarterbacks in the game. So you have to account for both, especially in trick play situations too. But the fact that, um, he can go out there and line up at receiver and just play receiver. Is is One is an unselfish deal, and two, it gives you a different dynamic that each team has to account for. You have to account for him on the field no matter what capacity he's in. Yeah, um, so I think Lane Kiffin did a great job of using him, you know, whether it was a decoy or whether it was just getting him the ball. You know, anytime you got playmakers like that, you have to get them on the field at some capacity. And then when you have an unselfish player like that that says, hey, coach, I'll go out there and play receiver. And I'm a quarterback, but I'll play receiver is 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 a big deal. And I think he helped the team. And I think that I think they're gonna be pretty good here moving forward. You know, they're missing a couple pieces, you know, just because they was on the probation and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I think Lane Kiffin's got them moving in the right direction. And you give them about give them about a year or two, I think Lane Kiffin to have Ole Miss right up there uh with the top ranks in the West. Yeah, no doubt. I mean it it's uh it, it's definitely impressive and I, I thought what he did a good job of doing is using tempo. Because you know he had Florida's defense gassed, and yes. so uh, I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a very good thing because um, you saw they made a lot of plays just because Florida just was not ready, and they were not mm-hmm. uh, they were gassed. They had their hands on their knees. Uh, they were slow to get lined up, and you know he saw that and he saw blood in the water essentially, and, and he went and attacked it. So uh, really impressive. Uh, you know you just hate to see it because the the lack of experience kind of bit them uh, towards the towards the end of the game, and you know. They didn't have an answer for Kyle Pitts, the the tight end. I don't think anybody does. He's one of the best. Man. I mean, he's he's gonna be he's I gonna be a solid what, player. Watching that number eighty four reminds me of my big cousin Ben Troop. Well, I, I text Ben. I said, "Boy, I said that number eighty four look good out there." Remind me of somebody I know, and he start laughing and say, "Yeah, he looks good." So watching <laughs> them two just throw the ball back and forth. I mean, Rex Grossman and Ben just back in the day just letting it ride. 
you know, so it, it brought back memories of watching them too. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's big, he's huge, you know, he's, he's a huge weapon for them. And, you know, people are going to have to account for him. And when you do that, then you got more guys outside that, that you can get the ball to. So yeah, Kadarius I mean, Tony, I, they could not tackle him. No. And you, you can't tackle him in a phone booth. You know, the very, right. what was the very first play against uh, Miami last year? Um, you know, he took one to the house, you know, they had him yeah. dead to right. And he, hit a couple of jukes and he was down the sideline for a touchdown. So, you know, just having those weapons on the offensive side and Trask being able to go out there and just navigate that offense. Like he's had a year in it, you know, he know he's, he knows he's the guy. So, you know, he goes out there and he, he navigates some, you know, big plays here and there, you know, 400 something yards passing. So, you know, that, that's huge for Florida and Florida's going to be um, a team to deal with in the East this year. They No doubt they are. We got to get Ben on for, uh, for Florida week so we can uh, talk and preview and see what he thinks about the oh, Gators yeah. we're, this year. We're, we're a family divided. We know we, we always root for each other um, during that time, except for that week, you know, um, it, we got half Florida, half Georgia. So, you know, it's a fun week for the troop family. That's for sure. Absolutely. Now down in, down in, uh, in your neck of the woods uh, where you live in Valdosta right now and where you uh, grew up in uh, Tifton, uh, is it, is it outside mm-hmm. of Georgia? Is it, is it mostly a Florida town, Florida State town? What what's like the second team in down there? Uh, it's mostly uh, well, it's kind of Florida State, um, Florida State and Florida, uh, for the most part. Um, but you know, you have a couple LSU people. It's amazing how many Auburn and Tennessee fans there are in this part of the state. I'm I'm like, where, why, why do you like, why do you like Auburn or why do you like Florida? Um, Auburn's a big, big fan. Um, big school that, that people are fans of down here too, so which is weird, but you know it, it is what it is. So um, we got we got a pretty good mix um, down here. So it's a lot of trash talking that goes back and forth. So um, unfortunately, my wife is a Seminole fan, so she wasn't very happy. Um, oh yeah, that, after that's the a, game Saturday, um, she she turned it. Yeah, she she turned it um, after <laughs> after a while. Um, so. Yeah, that uh, but, game you know, outside the conference stood out to me. It's like, wow, that's just sad how how far Florida State has fallen. They, I mean, six years ago they were in the 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 uh, college football playoff. They were in that yeah, first that first playoff, and and even though they got shellacked by Oregon, who ended up uh, who ended up, I think they ended up losing to Ohio State. Yeah, they gave them a run though, and that was Mariota's. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Marcus Mariota's uh, Heisman Trophy year, and so. Um, they lo- they lost to a really good team that year, and Florida State was a really good team that year. And now they mm-hmm. now they can now they're just a run of the mill ACC program, and it's kind of sad to see they used to dominate that conference for a really long time. So I know, and the crazy thing is, I told my wife and I told um, our our defensive coordinator here is a Florida State fan too. I say, you know what the turning point of Florida State was, and people don't realize this after that 2015 loss, a lot of that team did not go and shake hands with um with Oregon after that game. Right. So that showed a lot to me is that I think that that's when Jimbo kind of lost the team at that particular moment. Now that it might not be but just seeing that kind of put it in perspective that all right, Florida State is I don't know, something's going on over there. And yeah. since then, you know, it's been a it's been on a steady decline. Yeah, you Tiger, know, three head Tiger coaches in, figure in the out. last 6 years. Yeah. Yeah, so once you lose a team and Tiger came in Tried to fix it, didn't have enough time to fix it. Now you bring in uh, Norvell, and he's trying to fix it. It's hard to fix something that was already broken, and the team is trying to is trying to figure it all out, you know. So 
Um, hopefully they figure it out soon because I know a lot of the former players are really upset. Um, so hopefully they'll figure it out here soon. Yeah, I, I, I do too. And I think Norvell will eventually be the right guy. I, th- I think I just think he's got to get the right mix of players. He's already tried dealt with two possible mutinies. So that's not something you want in your first year in a, in a brand new program. So uh, hopefully he'll get that figured out for your wife's sake and for your defensive coordinator's sake. And, you know, Florida State's a big uh, – you know, there's a lot of Florida State fans in my family too. My dad played there back in the '60s, um, so I, I kind of grew up liking Florida State. Um, and then I went to Georgia, and you know that all changed. But um, then uh, you know <laughs> I have family in Panama City; they're all huge Seminole fans, and uh, they uh, they're not even watching right now. They because they it's just so bad and so so much in shambles. But um, I know and what's crazy. I grew up wanting to go to Florida State. I, when I when I grew up, I was a Florida State fan. I remember watching Peter Ward mm-hmm. um, and Ward Dunn and Ward you know Dunn, Charlie Ward from player. Thomasville. Yeah, yeah, and Charlie Ward from Thomasville. So you know he's right up the road from us. Um, and watching him do that stuff and Clay Shiver, who was the starting centers from my hometown, Tiff County. Okay, you know, so I grew up watching them, watching them play and stuff like that. And you know, obviously, prime time Deion Sanders, you know, is one of the best to come out of there. So. Just watching them go from being one of the top tier teams in the country to what they are now is it's disappointing, and you know they'll get they'll they'll get it right. You know they'll get it right, and I just hope it's sooner than later. Yeah, I do too. And because uh, college football needs them to be a power, and uh, I think they will be eventually. I think Norvell's the right guy. He turned around Memphis. He made Memphis into a relevant program. So you can only hope. But uh, speaking of prime. Uh, I, I don't think we ever uh, – I think since we last spoke, uh, Prime became the head coach at Jackson State. How do you think he's going to do? Man, I, I, I know they're going to be the most swagged-out team in America. I knew, I know that much. Um, you know, those guys are going to play hard. You know, they, they've had a lot of losing seasons here recently. Um, they, needed, they needed somebody to come in, you know, that's a player's coach. And, and Deion Sanders is definitely a player's coach, uh, one of the best to do it. And um, and like he said in his press conference, you know, if you don't want to play hard, or you don't want to practice hard, then you don't need to come here. And, you know, that's the first thing as a president you need to set, you know, as a head coach, especially taking over a program that hadn't won in a while. You know, if you don't want to come here and work and be great, then you don't need to come here, you know, because we're going to work and we're going to have fun doing it. And like he said, we're going to look good doing it. So, you know, that, and that's his mentality. And, you know, I think he brings that mentality to um, that program, and I think I think the sky's the limit for them. Um, he's also bringing in a great support staff with his coaches and stuff. He hadn't announced who they are yet, but you know, you know, he's going to get some top tier coaches, some top tier coaches. So, oh yeah, um, no I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do, and he's going to get recruits. You know, just just to say, you know, hey, I played for Deion Sanders. He has a know, few his, contacts from the NFL, just a few. Yeah, you know, just you know, just just a couple, yeah. you know, but. <laughs> Saying that, you know, hey, I went to Jackson State and I played for Deion Sanders, you know, it's saying a lot. And, you know, a lot of NFL teams are going to see that too. And, um, you know, kids, kids, that's what kids want. You know, when you're playing college football, the end result is you want to go to the NFL. And I think Deion's going to prepare his team, one, to win, to be successful in life, and to ultimately reach that goal of making the NFL. Absolutely. And how long before we say uh, people are going to say, I played for Prime at Florida State? I think I think it's gonna be if he has a couple of good years at Jackson State. I think it's gonna be more sooner than later. Yeah, especially um, anything if else. So you know, and it's different when you have a former player who's been there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the D line coach at Florida State. You know, he he's still there. Odell know, Higgins. And he and he he's been there. You know, and I know it's tough on him to see what's going on. 
you oh, know, from when he was from when he was there to see, you know, the demise of Florida State essentially in the last couple of years. And you know, I know it's killing him. I, I know, I know it's killing him. So what's um, odd think, is the only time they played well was when he was the interim head coach. Yeah, and and that's what it is. You know, you got a former former player in there um, that knows what they're doing. And they bring that different energy to the game. You know, that that makes the, those players see that. You know, and when when you have a former player come in on staff and and they they know the kids first of all because one they they're still fo- I still follow Tiff County I still follow Georgia obviously because I went to those schools and you know when you bring a former player in you know it brings a certain certain energy to that team because they they know hey this is what we got to do to win this is what the tradition is for this school and you know that that just brings a different a different mentality to that team and right now it's just you know you just kind of got to figure out you know where your chips lie. Well, we know where uh, there's going to be a lot of chips lying on Saturday night, 6.30. Game day is going to be in Athens uh, for the matchup between number four, Georgia, and uh, number seven, Auburn. Um, Georgia is six-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. Uh, lots of storylines here, um, the, the first being that JT Daniels is finally officially cleared for 100% contact. Um, does, he get, does he get the nod, or do we go with Stetson? Um, I think, in my in, in my opinion, it's, it depends on who has a better week at practice this week. Um, I saw Kirby. You know, he took up for Dewan Mathis, and that's what I would do, too, if I was a head coach. You know, because he did have a few situations where he couldn't help what happened, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, no fault no fault to him. But I think Stetson outright won the, the job after Saturday's performance, in my opinion. So I think he goes in as a starter. Um, I think those two battle it out for the backup, and if some – Heaven forbid something happens, you know, then the next backup should be able to go in, you know. Um, and if they struggle, then the next one after that, you know. So right now it's like playing musical chairs at quarterback until we find a solidified guy, you know, that can run the offense, you know, be productive and stuff like that. So in my mind right now, I'm going with Stetson Bennett. I'm a complete proves me otherwise. And JT's got to get ready. You know, he hadn't had any contact. So, you know, you kind of got to get his feet wet a little bit. But, um but right now, if it was me and I was Coach Smart, I would go with Stetson Bennett right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you see the energy he brings to the offense. I, I totally agree with you on that. And and that's not a, that's not a shot at, at Dewan. I, I just think that Bennett has been there uh, for a little bit longer, and, and the guys know him. The guys know what, what he brings to the table. They know the swag that he has and the confidence that he has that they can get out and, and, and do what they need to do, and guys are going to make plays, and guys respond to that. So um, I, I like the Bennett. You know, going with Bennett, uh, I don't know that that's exactly what's going to happen. I kind of hope it does. Uh, he was 20 of 29. Talk about efficiency. Uh, 211 and two touchdowns last week against Arkansas, whose defense was playing really well against us um, last week in, until the dam finally broke. But Zamir White, 13 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, the question is, how do we get James Cook more involved? I felt like he kind of underwhelmed in, in the first game. Yeah, um, you know, and every play that he was in was kind of a, a busted play, unfortunately for him. Um, but I like the way they use him. They use him at slot receivers sometimes. They use him at quarter, um, not quarterback, but uh, running back sometimes, uh, which is what we talked about earlier, you know, just finding ways to get him on the field. Um, that's a different dynamic with him on the field as well. So um, I think this week I think they'll have a plan, um, especially against Auburn. Auburn's got a good linebacking core, good D-line um, like they traditionally have. So I think if you get him matched up against linebacker, um, you spread them out a little bit. I think that's good for him. Um, yeah. And this week, uh, especially, you know, it's not it's not being the first game. Um, I think 
the offense moves a little bit more efficiently this week. Um, we won't have any lulls, hopefully, um, against Auburn. So um, it's always going to be a slobber knock between these two. So um, hopefully, you know, everything comes out and we come out on the on the winning end of it. I feel like every year it's the same story with these two programs. Great defenses, especially on the front, um, and offenses that are inconsistent and sputter at times and, and you know, boomer bust type offenses. I, I feel like it's the same exact thing this year. With with Auburn, right now they have no rushing attack. Uh, Bo Nix is their leading rusher, five carries, thirty four yards. Uh, it, it just it it's becoming more apparent that Chad Morris has more control than we think. Uh, because that ball's flying around the yard. Seth Williams had six catches for 112 last week, caught a pair of touchdowns. Uh, Bo Nix threw some dimes. He threw one to Eli Stove. Um, so you got to be, you know, thankfully uh, for Georgia, we, we bring a, a very good and experienced uh, secondary with Stokes, DJ Daniel, Richard LeCount, Lewis Seen, you know, those guys, uh, Mark Webb. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson, you know, I, you know, the fact that I'm able to list all of those guys not only shows that, well, I, I host a podcast and I know those guys, but, you know, they, they stood out too, you know, and, and, and I think they're going to be able to give us something in pass defense to kind of help neutralize Seth Williams because that's going to be the key. Uh, he's, you know, I, I saw him and I thought this guy's big and he's smooth. He, he's not, I don't think he's overly fast as far as acceleration goes, uh, but I think he just, it just all of a sudden you look up and he's, he's there and he's on you. Um, and I think, you know, when he reaches top speed, he, he's, you know, obviously he's fast and he's, he's explosive in the air, uh, getting to the ball. But, um, I, I think if you neutralize Seth Williams, I think you're going to have a, a really good shot at coming away victorious against this Auburn team. Definitely. Um, we, we've proven we can stop the run. Uh, we proved we can stop the pass last week too, other than, um, other than one play really. Um, so I think it's be a, a big test for us, um, especially in the secondary. Um, I'm not worried about them running the football, especially when the quarterback's the leading rusher on that team. Um, so I think our D, I think our front seven is going to do a great job with that. It's all about the secondary now, because yeah. um, you know Chat Chat Morris loves to throw the ball, and like you said, he has he pretty much I didn't see um, Gus Malzahn with his clipboard on the field, so um, I didn't see him with it in his hand. So he was hiding Chad underneath Morris his tie. It. He was hiding yeah, so. under his tie. So yeah. <laughs> So I don't I, I think he has control and you know Chat Morris offense gonna throw the ball. Um, yeah, that, no that's what they're gonna do. Um if they can run it, they'll run it, but they they're gonna hang their hat on throwing the football. And um I think if, if we can if we can hold our own the secondary, which I think we can, um I think I think we'll be fine defensively. It's all about moving the football and staying on track on offense. Um, now, can, and this can, game usually comes down to who can move the football against mm-hmm. the against the defense. So yeah, no doubt. I mean, who can uh, who can move it? And uh, you know, defensively, as far as uh, our game plan last year versus this year, containing Bo Nix, uh, the definition of that has changed. Whereas last year, he was probably more of a threat in the in the quarterback run game, and you had to factor that in. But I think this year, with as with as frequently as they're throwing the ball, I think with Bo Nix containing Bo Nix, the de- the definition of that is keeping him bottled up in the pocket and not letting him scramble. Because when he scrambles. He can he he's he's a good athlete. He's got great feet, and he can do that. When he scrambles and makes those throws, uh, guys like Eli Stove, uh, Schwartz, and uh, you know obviously Seth Williams become even more dangerous if he's outside the pocket and improvising a little bit. Schwartz is fast, you know. He he's a he's a ten he's a ten meter guy, and you know he he, he can get it. And um, you know if you keep track if you're not trapped, if you keep next in the pocket, 
I think that that's where you win. You keep him in the pocket, keep him bottled up. You know, he has to make decisions. He has to keep his eyes up, feel and stuff like that. Now, when he escapes the pocket, that's where you got to work because he can run and he can throw, and he throws well on the run. Mm -hmm. So, um, for us, you know, it's just keeping him bottled up, keep him in the pocket. Once he breaks contain, got to tackle him, we got to hit him, hit him early and often. Um, And that's for any quarterback. If you hit him early and often, even when he's – Throw, he, even if he's throwing the ball, you just kind of nudge him and knock him down and stuff like that. You know, that, that's, in a, that's in a quarterback psyche, you know. Um, just like my quarterback, I tell him all the time, we, we hit him at practice. Every, some periods, you know, we hit him at practice. Um, we're doing blitz pickup and stuff simply because he has to get used to keeping his eyes down, feeling, staying in the pocket and stuff like that on the line to get out the po- outside the pocket and run when protection breaks down. So um, I think with Nick's, if you just keep him bottled up in the pocket, um, he hasn't shown me that he can – make plays just sitting in the pocket and being comfortable right there. And uh, Auburn had been known for an offensive line, straight pass pros anyway. So um, keeping them in there and, and hitting them early and often, I think we got a great chance of winning. Well, offensively, um, you know, it's going to be tough sledding with their linebacking cores. Now the feature of their defense last year was the defensive line with, um, you know, uh, with those two guys, um, Derek Brown and I always forget the other guy's name. Um, doesn't matter, I guess, but uh, both of them are gone in the NFL. Uh, day one and day two picks uh, starting in the NFL. So uh, now the linebackers are taking center stage. KJ Britt, Owen Popo are, are two of the guys that really stand out on that defense. With the quarterback situation that Georgia has and the difficulty we had running the ball early on, what are how do we how do we move the ball in this Auburn defense and and uh, prevent ourselves from becoming completely and totally one dimensional? I think you got to mix it up. I think you got to mix up run and pass. Um, I think you can't just drop back and pass it. Obviously, you can't just run up the middle every time. So you got to just get creative with play calling um, and formation and stuff. Um, one thing that I did notice that Florida did really well um, is they changed formations a lot, um, moved guys around. And I think if you move guys around, people can't get a beat on you. Um, so if we just mix up formations, you know, stay stay pretty balanced, and uh, how we attack and what we do and, and attack the bubble. Um, um, if I'm not mistaken, they're a four-down team, so it's just basically attack, attacking the bubble attack where, where there's a hole, essentially. So mm-hmm. um, if we're running zone, you know, you're attacking the hole of where it is, you know, giving Bennett or whoever's the quarterback a chance to pull it if he needs to, you know, and read it out. So um, just stay in balance. Stay, basically just staying on track. You know, don't get too high. Don't get too low. If you if you've run a play and it, and it hits good, and you'll come back to it, you know, later on down the line if you need it. So I'm just staying on track against this this defense, and I think we'll be fine offensively. Yeah, I think staying patient as well because you know it's going to be tough sledding, running the ball, and it's going to be easy to say, okay, we can't run, so we're going to abandon the run, and uh, we're going to try to beat them other ways. And I, I think too many times that offensive coordinators get impatient. I, I know I'm guilty of it some as well, but – uh, you know, you got to stay patient with the run game because eventually, especially in a zone scheme, it's going to hit. You know, as you as you start wearing down on those guys, especially the the defensive line who's not as experienced as last year, you you have to you have to keep wearing on them. You have to keep pounding the rock and uh, not not saying run the ball up the center's butt forty seven times, but you know just just stay within your plan and it's going to pop and then make throws and do everything off of it. And and I really like your idea about moving guys around in the formations, varying your formations, uh, varying your tendencies within those formations also will be a huge key. And then of course, you know, patience is a key, not only patience in not giving up on the run if it's struggling, but the patience and discipline to not start chucking the ball deep or start really 
getting into a pass happy um, situation if you don't need to and, and controlling the clock and taking care of the ball and obviously staying on schedule um, with the, with the chains is, is also uh, extremely vital. And uh, this game is going to come down to special teams and field position, I, I think. And, and that'll be, that'll be the difference maker to me. And so we'll talk to, uh, we'll talk to Jason Crane on, from the J boy show uh, on Friday about this and, and kind of get, I uh, kind of do a deeper dive into this matchup from, from the Auburn perspective, but I think it's going to be a slug fest field position type type battle. Yeah, most definitely. And it's all about team that can stay on track and uh, which team stop the run. <laughs> Basically, which team can stop the run and make the other team go in the passing ball? So, um, I think it's going to be a great matchup at nighttime um, in Athens. You know, it's not it's not going to have the the excitement that it normally has because fans aren't there, but it's still football and it's still exciting when, whenever Auburn comes in town. So, um, I think it's going to be a great game. Absolutely. Well, uh, to to put a bow on today's show, I, I think coming in one and zero, winning in the way we did in the second half, I think builds momentum. Uh, we'll talk about with, uh, like I said, I got Jason Crane lined up. We'll talk about the other games in the conference as well and kind of what they mean. Um, and we'll, we'll we'll deep dive into to this matchup, what Bo Nix brings to the table, what other guys are key contributors that we're not thinking about, what are some factors um, from, from his end uh, as far as that goes. But, uh, Israel, uh, it, it, it was a pleasure as always. And, uh, you know, I, Friday's episode is going to be another great one uh, again, and uh, we're going to uh, we're really going to preview around uh, around the SEC as, as well as this matchup as well. We're going to also make our picks, so hopefully I'll do better against the spread, and and maybe uh, <laughs> maybe you will too, and maybe we'll start to get a get a beat on this thing, and maybe I can start going to our sponsor BetOnline.ag and start making some real picks, and I I might hold myself accountable and do those. I might pick my lock of the week so uh stay tuned for that that's that's something that's coming down the pike but you know i hope you enjoyed this show um and for israel troop i'm Corey burton and as always go dogs this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.